Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to get right into this message this morning, and I want to begin. We're going to talk a lot about a number of questions this morning, and Ladies, I want to unpack something for you about us men. Something that you may already know, but it may come as a surprise. We have problems. Amen. <laughs> One honest man owned it. We have problems. I want, to, I want to let you in on a question that us men have, and I want to give you some of the depth behind the question that we ask. So men, when we first meet a man, once we get past all the insignificant stuff like what their name is, when we when we actually get to trying to discover who they are, what is the first question that we ask another man? What do you do? What do you do? Now, that seems like an innocent, honest question. But let me tell you what's behind that. Am I better than you or are you better than me? We're we're sizing each other up. We want to know, how do I categorize you? How do I compare myself to you? Can I be a benefit to you or can you be a benefit to me? There's a lot that's in that question, what do you do? We want to know if we have commonalities. We want to know, uh, like, can we be involved in some of the same things? There's a lot involved when we ask that question, what do we do? Now, ladies, before you get self-righteous, and start judging us for what we do. The truth is, you judge one another before you have said a word to that other woman. (laughs) The moment you see them, you go, oh, uh uh-uh. We're not going to be friends. But that's a very important question. What do you do? As a matter of fact, the world asks itself a similar question. And it's a question that many of you have found yourself asking. And it's this question, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Here's some variations to that question, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Why do I exist? What difference is my life making? What is the significance of my life? This question, what is my purpose, is a massive one. It's a question that people for generations all over the world have found themselves asking the very same question. What is my purpose? Now for us as, a, as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we ask that question, but we ask it slightly different. We ask it in a, there's a little difference, a little variation to how we ask that question as believers. We ask ourselves this, what is my calling? What is my calling? And some of you may say, Pastor, well, what's the difference? Is this, is this just semantics? Like, is this just a play on words? Does one sound more spiritual than the other? The truth is, the world asks that question devoid of a creator. They're looking for their purpose devoid of the creator of heavens and the earth. They ask themselves that question because they don't want to acknowledge God they just want to know that what does the universe want me to do? What does the cosmos want me to do? What is the significance of my life? But the truth is, 
Our lives have no significance apart from the image of God. That's why our lives, that's why we talk about things like abortion, because every single life is important. Why? Because it's created in the Imago Dei, the very image of God. We were made in his image and his likeness. And so that's what gives our lives significance. And we say calling because we recognize that you cannot have a calling without a caller. C.S. Lewis said it this way about this very topic. He said the difference between, you know, like a purpose and a calling and, and saying that I have a calling without a caller is the same as a woman doing the war, doing the, the bread shortage, saying that doesn't bother me. I eat toast. <laughs> Some of you will get that about an hour from now, dropping home. What is my calling? What is my calling? We recognize there's no substantive meaning to our life apart from our creator. Now, I want to talk about that calling a little bit more, and I want to answer the question, what is my calling? But I want to focus in on your primary calling, meaning your first calling, the most important calling in your life. What is the primary calling of God on your life? And I want to answer that with a very, very simple answer. Now, recognize that as you start thinking about that, some of you are already going to answer it in your mind. Well, Pastor, I already know what my calling is. I know what the most important calling in my life is. I'm called to be a good husband, or I'm called to be a good wife, or I'm called to be a good dad or a good mom and raise godly children. I'm called to be an ethical business leader. I'm called to lead my employees the right way and them see Jesus in my life. I'm called, I'm, I'm all in for all of the things we do in the community because, Pastor, that's my calling. I'm called to help change a community. Pastor, I'm called to change my family line. My family tree was one way, and God has changed my life. And so my calling is to change the destiny and the purpose of my family. Y'all with me? These are all good answers. As a matter of fact, I lead a, a mentor, a group of young leaders about once a month, I sit down with them and I just invest in their life. And many of them have a calling, the call of God on their life. And I'm helping to pull that out of them. And I ask them the same question. And these were some of their answers. I'm called to help the next generation beyond me. I'm called to help teenagers, excuse me, behind me. Others, I'm called to focus on my job in this season. I'm not, God doesn't want me to get distracted with too much serving. I'm called to focus on my job. Or I'm called to help bring about justice in our communities. Again, all good answers. But can I tell you the truth? They're all wrong. All of them are good answers, but they are the wrong answers. And I've learned this from my pastor, Pastor Jacob. My job is to set the trap for you. Your job is to take the bait. That's exactly what I just did to you. Those are all great things, but none of them are your primary calling. And I want to answer for you this morning what your primary calling is, and I want to do it by looking at the life of two men in the Bible who received that calling, who heard that calling, and they responded to it. If you will, go with me to the book of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Now let me give you the background. Here's Jesus. He's getting ready to begin his ministry. 
He's been baptized by John the Baptist. He's gone through the wilderness temptation, and he's getting ready to, to, to start this ministry in this region that's going to have ramifications and impact the world as we know it in this little remote place in the world. He's getting ready to start this, and the first thing that he does is he starts building his team. He starts finding the men that he's going to invest his life in. Church, many of you have heard us talk about this, but I want to echo the words you hear from your pastor all the time so that you know this is not just him. God wants us to make disciples. Discipleship is a major part of our church. It is who we are as a church. And Jesus began his ministry by finding his disciples and investing in them. But even that, as important as that is, for us as the followers of Christ is not our primary calling. Mark chapter 1, verse 16, this is what it says. And one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Now, let me pause there for a moment because I want you to see this. In biblical times, in Bible times, you typically did the job that your father did. It was typically a family business, a family affair. So if these two men were fishermen, their dad was more than likely a fisherman. And in the same chapter, Jesus leaves these men and he goes on to James and John, and they are actually in the boat with their dad, Zebedee, and they were fishermen. They were doing the family business. That's what many scholars believe. And so these two men are falling right in line with the expectations on their life. This is what they were supposed to be doing. This is what their dad did. This is what his dad probably did. And this is what his dad probably did. We fish. That's what we do for a living. This is the way that we've always done it. Now, many of you have experienced what it looks like to go to swim against the grain, to go against what has always been done. Some of you have done that when you started coming to this church. How many of you, when you first started coming to this church, you had your family go, that's great, God's changing your life, but why aren't you going to our church? We don't do that. We're Catholic. Right? Why are you going to, like, I'm glad God has changed your life, but don't you remember? We're Catholic. That's what we do. Or can I get in y'all's business for a little bit this morning? Whether you agreed or not, I was going to, so the safest thing to do was just say yes. Why are you going to that church? We go to the black church. This is what we do. Why, why are you going there and doing all of that? Don't forget where you what came from. This is not new. This is within human nature to think this way. And so these men are doing what was expected of them. Now let's talk about this in a different way. Some of us, we live our lives based on our last name. And we stay in trend with the patterns of our last name. I'm a Boudreaux. We drink. That's what we do. I'm a Boudreaux. That's what, why, why are you getting drunk? I just told you. I'm a Boudreaux. Some of you don't even know what it's like. You don't even know what the taste of crawfish without Michelob even tastes like. I'm an arsenal. We sleep around. 
My dad did it. His dad did it. His dad did it. This is just what we do. It's part of our family line. Don't even get me started on Terrios. I've known plenty. These men were doing what they knew, what was expected of them, until all of a sudden Jesus comes on the scene. And in one moment changes everything. Changes everything. Verse 17, this is what it says. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. In that one, excuse me, two verses, there is so much to unpack. They're living their life doing what they think they're supposed to do, doing, the, the, doing what everyone is expected of them, doing what everybody in their family line has done, doing life the way that has been presented for them. And then Jesus shows up and changes it all. And he does it with a simple phrase. He shows up and he calls them. The title of my message this morning is The Call. The Call. What is the call? What is the primary calling of God on each and every one of our lives? First, let me tell you, there's a primary calling and a secondary calling in this very phrase that Jesus just gave. There were really two things that he required of them. There was a primary and a secondary, and I'm not going to spend too much time on the secondary because the truth is is we put too much stock in the secondary. And I want to spend my time focusing on the primary calling. The primary calling is not all the stuff. I'm a good dad. I'm a good husband. I'm a good father. I'm a good employer. I'm a good employee. I do this stuff. I serve. That's all part of the secondary calling. I'll get to that in a moment. That's why so many people come to church and there's no change in their life. Because they don't respond to the initial, the primary calling. They come in and they do a whole lot of good stuff, but they miss the very important focus. Come, follow me. That's the primary calling of God for every Christian in this building. How can we call ourselves a follower if we're not following? Jesus said, come. And follow me. Then he says, and I will make you fishers of men. But that first calling is simply this, come and follow me. Jesus had so much more for their life than they had for their life. And I think when we miss that first calling, that's why we're unsatisfied in life. That's why we think that we just, I, I can come to church and add a little bit more morality to my life. And the only expectation that we have on our life is that we're going to pay our bills, we're going to go to work, we're going to have a little free time, maybe go to church again, add a little bit more religion into my life, or we make our idols how much we can get, right? We live with the mindset, I'm going to get what I can, can what I get, and sit on the can, it's all for me. I'm gonna, and we think that somehow that's going to fulfill us. For those of you who have lived your life this way, let me ask you a question. How's that working out? Because what I've seen, people who aren't following God, who focused on all that they can get with life and made that their idol, once they get there, they're even more miserable because they realize the thing they've strived for their entire life to fulfill them 
does not do it. That's why simply being a good religious person does not do it. The call of God was never these things. The call of God was Jesus saying to each and every one of us, come and follow me. Are y'all with me this morning? Well, pastor, this is what we always did. This is what my dad did. This is what his dad did. That's what I call dysfunctional loyalty. Why? Because we are so loyal to those things, and those things are not loyal to us. Because those things are not serving us well. If you're going to be loyal to something, be loyal to something that's going to bless and benefit your life. I go to that church because that's what we always did. Is your life changing there? Then why are you still going? I'm I'm loyal to doing it this way. I'm loyal to acting like this at the family gatherings. Is it serving you well? Then why are you loyal to it? Let's keep going. Jesus comes and he messes up all of these things with the simple phrase, come and follow me. Come and follow me. You can be a follower of Jesus, and I'll leave Pastor Don to clean this up because I'm gonna leave and go all the way back to Broussard as if y'all can't get to me there. (laughs) And I'm not, as I say this, I'm not making a theological statement as much as I am a challenge to you. You can be following Jesus and then stop following Jesus. You can follow Jesus and then stop following Jesus. Again, I'm not making a theological statement, but I think sometimes we ask ourselves the wrong questions. First of all, let me say this. At one point, Jesus was, Judas, excuse me, was following Jesus, and then he stopped following Jesus. See, I think we we ask ourselves the wrong questions. We ask ourselves questions like, can I still do this and be saved? Right? Can, Can I do this? Can I get close enough to the line, Pastor Gabe, and not fall over? That's the wrong question asked with the wrong heart. Because for the follower of Jesus, our question is, am I following? Am I doing what he wants me to do? Am I pleasing his heart? See, you can be going in this direction, and when you realize God is going in this direction, you are faced with a choice. Am I going to do it his way and submit to his way, or am I going to do it my way? The question for me this morning is not, can I be saved if I do that? I'll leave that to your pastor. My question is, are you right now, where you're at, are you following him? Because I want this to be a clarion call to everyone in this building, because that is the reason he came. He came for you to follow him. And it begins a brand new journey. And this journey has its ups and it has its downs. It has its mountains, it has its valleys. As a matter of fact, you are either in a valley, on your way to a valley, or coming out of a valley. It happens. But are you following him through it? That's the call. The call is come and follow me. See, when you follow Jesus, there are times that you do fail. When you're following Jesus, there are times that you fall. But you get back up and you keep following. See, I hope to simplify some things in our minds and in our souls this morning. Because we overcomplicate it and this. And what about that? And I'm not sure about that. Are you following him? Are you doing what he's asked you to do? If you've fallen and you've messed up, 
Get back up and keep going. Dust yourself off. Keep going. He wants us to follow. Some say God doesn't want your actions. He wants your heart. But I'd say it this way. God wants your heart because if he has that, he realizes and he knows he has your actions. He wants them both. Why? Because he wants you. He wants all of you. Complete surrender to him and who he is. Following him. That's what he wants. He wants us to follow his way of doing things. Pastor, how do I follow God? Give me some, some, some stuff. Like, how do I do that? Do what the Bible says. Do what the scriptures have taught you. Follow the promptings and the leadings of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because he will speak to you about specific things in your life that no one else knows about, but you know he's putting his finger on that thing. Following those promptings. Following the people that God has put in your life who say to you, like the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Well, I don't like them. God didn't say like them. He said follow them. I don't know. Pastor Don's got that dark skin. (laughs) He's called him to be your pastor and to help guide you and shepherd your soul. If that's what he's called you to do, then follow that man. That's how we follow Jesus. We yield to what he says. We yield to what he wants. If he's going this way, so am I. Your primary calling, church, listen to me. It's not your job. It's not your family. It's not all of those things. Those are great things that flow out of you following Jesus. See, I love my family well because I follow Jesus. I do my job well because I'm following Jesus. I help people and I love people, not because I'm such a good guy, because I'm following Jesus. We don't do the stuff to follow Jesus. We do the stuff because we're following Jesus. We help our community because we're following Jesus. We're compassionate because we're following Jesus. We allow Jesus to change our mindsets on how we see the world because we recognize I'm a follower. You know, I think we put too much stock in our own opinions. Can I challenge you with that this morning? We put way too much stock in what we think Instead of asking him, God, what do you say? What do you think? How do you see the world? How do you see this person? How can I serve them? And yes, I'm talking about big and national things, but I'm talking about your wife. I'm talking about your kids. When Jesus says, love your enemies, I don't know why I'm saying this, but some of you need to hear this. Sometimes your enemy is the person in your house. Sometimes your enemy may be your husband. Sometimes your enemy may be your child. You follow him in the moments when he says, love them even when you're mad at them. Bless those who curse you. That's being a follower of Jesus. And I know this is not hoopla and I'm not making you want to do cartwheels in church, which I don't think Pastor Don would allow anyway. But this is what we need. This is the heart of the gospel. Come and follow me. This is the call of God. Come and follow me. See, Simon and Andrew gave up everything for this primary calling. On a whim, Jesus calls and they respond and they leave it all. But I want to, just for a moment, I want to contrast 
them with another young man in the Bible who heard the exact same call. This is what the Bible says in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Same book, same gospel writer. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. Now let me stop right there. Pastor, is this Jesus saying he's not God? Not at all. Not at all because he is God. But he was pointing something out for this man to see. See, this man, the way he approached Jesus was not Messiah, was not Christ. It was, hey, good teacher. Good teacher. When Jesus, what Jesus is about to do is he's getting ready to reveal to this man what he depended on for goodness. He looked at his self-righteousness and his self-worth as something that would make him good. And Jesus is getting ready to blow all of that up getting ready to completely challenge his mindset on morality. Verse 19, this is what it says. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and your mother. Listen to this again. Verse 20. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. In other words, he's saying, Jesus, I've been a good person. I've been going to this church since I was a baby. I was born under the pew. I know this stuff. Jesus, I've done it all. I'm a good person. Jesus, you, I, I don't know if you know this or not, Jesus, but I'm on the serve team. <laughs> like, they gave me a badge. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Jesus, but I went through freedom Jesus, I even, okay, I know you're going to be impressed with this one, Lord. I serve in the nursery. It's okay. It's okay. Don't, don't applaud. Jesus hears these things, and this is what he says, and I love the heart of our king, our Lord. The Bible says he looked at the man, looking at the man, excuse me, Jesus felt genuine love for him. See, Jesus' heart for this man, even in the middle of his self-righteousness, was genuine love and compassion. He loved this man, and he wanted him to be a follower. And he says, there's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. See, essentially, the young man was saying, Lord, I've done all of the good stuff, right? Lord, I'm a good person. I've done all of the good secondary parts of what God expects of me. But he was lacking in the primary calling, which was being willing to do whatever God asked him to do and to follow. Jesus says, get rid of that stuff. And come and follow me. See, what he was looking for, what I believe he was looking for, was, Lord, add something to my life to make me feel better about myself. 
Add something to me that I can do. Maybe a little, maybe I should, Jesus, tell me I need to wake up early and exercise. I can do that. Jesus, tell me I need to maybe help serve a little bit more. Do, give me something that I can do to add to my life. And Jesus completely levels the playing field and says, come and follow me. Give up everything you have and follow me. Now, this was not Jesus' way of saying wealth is bad. This was not Jesus' way of saying if you have abundance, that's bad. I don't believe that. God is not against you having stuff, but he's against stuff having you. So he was not saying that having stuff is bad, but he knew this man on the outside looked the part. He was young, probably good looking, wealthy. And in that day, in the, in, in the Jewish time, if you had all of those things going for you and you were in church, you were at the top of, you had the creme of the creme. You were at the very top of the pinnacle. And so everybody else was impressed with this young man, but Jesus knew his heart. Jesus said, I can see all of the stuff that you're doing, but let me put my finger on the area that you're not willing to follow. Give up that God that you have and come and follow me. And in that moment, he exposed his unwillingness to follow. He heard the same call that Simon and Andrew heard but he didn't respond the same way. The call has not changed. It's the same for all of us. Come and follow me. See, a call is not easy, but when you think about it, who do you think regrets having made the decision that they made? The fishermen who gave up their fishermen, fishermen job and their identity as they knew it and who they were and where they came from and all of those things and the ridicule that they had to deal with in order to follow this man or the man who for eternal life and for following the greatest man to ever live, he gave up all of those things for momentary stuff, for money, for popularity, All of those things will pass away. But for all of eternity, those men who gave that up will be seated in the place of honor with Jesus. Who do you think regrets it? When you follow Jesus, church, you don't regret it. I love the way Miss Michelle Aranza puts it. Some of you need to write this down. You never know what's on the other side of your obedience. You never know what's on the other side of your obedience. But conversely, church, you never know what's on the other side of your disobedience. The call of God is come and follow me. When you follow Jesus, you find out who you really are. Because you're putting yourself, the, yourself in the hands of the creator, the one who created you. He knows you. He knows how he made you. Now, again, let me, let me just tell you the truth. As men, we hate reading instruction manuals. I will watch a 30-minute YouTube video rather than read a two-minute instruction manual. But the person who wrote the instruction manual knows what that thing was designed for. He knows where it's going to find its potential. It knows where it's going to find its fulfillment. God knows where you are going to find your potential and going to find your fulfillment. So when you're following him, it's not really a sacrifice, church. Look up here. It's not really a sacrifice. It's the call to come and find out who you really are. 
It's the call to come and discover why I made you, why, why I, I even put you in the place that you're in, with the people that you're with, in the community that you're in. Come and find life. When he says, come and follow me, you're not really giving up anything. You think you are. It feels like you are. But the truth is you're discovering life. The call hasn't changed. Come follow me. What's he putting his finger on even this morning in you? Because my concern for us, especially for church people who've been in this for a while, is to look at our self-righteousness and the things that we do. God, you're okay with all of this because I'm doing all of this. It's not how it works. The call has come and follow me. And I'm going to get to that in a moment, but let me say this. There's three things that you need in order to follow Jesus on this journey. Some things that you have to have. Number one, you have to have faith. You have to have faith. And this is what I mean by that. We can't cherry pick the words of God that we want to believe and the ones that we don't. We are literally building our lives on the fact that a Middle Eastern man 2,000 years ago lived in a small region, died on a cross, rose again from the dead, and we've put our entire lives into that. That takes faith. But if you've begun this journey in faith, don't try to end it in works and righteousness. You need faith. Trust him, which is the very next point. You have to have trust. You have to have trust. See, when he starts putting his finger on things like this, you know that relationship that you have? That's not a good relationship for you. I want you to end that one. But, but she's my friend. Yeah, but she's a gossip. But, but I, really, I really like her, Jesus. I mean, she goes to church and she's hot. Yeah, but when you're around her, you're tempted to do things that you know you're not supposed to do. And as a matter of fact, you've given into those things multiple times. It's time to end that relationship. Those things take trust. It takes trust for a young man to say, I'm, I'm born again, I'm saved, so I'm going to give you my purity. And I'm going to do my relationships, my dating relationships your way. That takes trust. When he starts saying things like, lay down your agenda, lay down your rights, lay down, don't post that on social media. Some of us are all for, Jesus, tell me, send me, where, I'll do whatever you want to do. Don't post that on social media. Jesus, these are my rights. <laughs> don't offend your brother. Trust him. It takes trust because he will challenge your understanding. This journey will be chock full of moments where he says something in this word that you don't understand or you may not even agree with. But remember this, submission begins where agreement ends. When I can't agree with God, my next response is submission. Because he's right and I'm wrong. Let me tell you something about the culture, especially young people. Look up here. Let me tell you something about the culture. What we praise now, we condemned 100 years ago. 
We used to, 400 years ago, we believed that the world was flat, and some of you still believe that. <laughs> the world is ever-changing and ever-evolving. The society, the culture, and what we believe, our morality, is ever-changing. But you know what does not change? This word. It was true 2,000 years ago, it's true today, and it will be true 2,000 years from now. So build your life on this. Build your life on this. That takes trust. And lastly, it takes surrender. If you're going to follow him, it takes surrender. Think about those disciples who followed Jesus. And everything was great when he was healing the sick and multiplying Pole boys, catfish pole boys. Everything was awesome. Until he started saying things like, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die there. I don't understand that. I thought you were the Messiah. I am. But I'm going to die. Everything was great then. Everything was great until the man that they expected to liberate their nation was put in handcuffs or rope or whatever they had back then and given over to the people who they despise, the Romans. What happens when you don't understand? You surrender and you keep following. You keep going. When he says stay, you stay. When he says go, you go. See, sometimes we're willing to stay when he's saying go. And other times we're willing to go when he's saying stay. follow. That's his call. It was not just a come pray a prayer one day and now you have fire insurance for all of eternity. He called you to be his follower. And I love how Pastor Don so eloquently said this earlier. I want to know what God is doing and I want to do that. I want to know what God is saying. If he's guiding us here, I want to go there. If he's guiding me there, I want to do that. What I'm talking about, I'm not giving you a bunch of rules, but I'm challenging your heart because only you know if you're following. That's his call. Come, follow me. Oswald Chambers said this, author of My Utmost for His Highest. He said, the greatest competitor of devotion to Jesus is service to him. It is never do-do with the Lord, but be-be, and he will do through you. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, when it comes to this whole Christianity thing, who are we really doing this for? Are we doing this to please others? Are we doing this to please ourselves? Are we doing this to please the Lord? If you're following him, you're doing this to please him. Oz Guinness wrote an incredible book called The Call that has inspired much of this message. He said this, the question is not whether we have an audience, but which audience we have. Only you know why you're doing this. If you're doing this for him and you're doing it to follow him, praise God, keep going, keep following. If you're here and you say, I've been doing this for the show, I love when people pat me on the back. There's much more to it than that. I'm living, I'm not, can I be very transparent with you? 
I enjoy preaching the gospel. I love going and delivering these messages. But I'm not looking for your well done. I'm looking for the one day when I stand before him and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. We have to live our lives for the audience of one. So I want you to hear me this morning, church. And I want you to hear the call of God again. As I mentioned, let this be a clarion call to every person in this building. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. Don't put on a show. Come follow me. Don't do this for your own self-righteousness. Come follow me. Some of you feel like things are too far gone and you're, you're here and you're like, I just, I, I'm, I'm so far away from God. Come follow me. I've done too much, Pastor. I'm guilty of saying that. Like if God, if you, if the people in this church even knew me, they wouldn't want me here. Come follow me. Come follow me. That's his call. Close your eyes. I'd like to pray for you this morning. For the seasoned believer, don't trade in the primary calling for the secondary one. But for that group of people that I just spoke to, and you feel like you're too far away from God, the thing that he offers you when you follow him is forgiveness. It's acceptance. It's grace. It's love. It's healing from your past. He will heal you from the consequences of the very things that you've done because he's just that good. He loves you. He loves you. I want you to respond to that invitation, though, to come and follow me. If you're here and you've never been what we call and what the Bible calls being born again, I want to pray for you. It's the words that Jesus said to, to prove my point all the more to a religious man who was doing all of this stuff. Jesus said, you cannot enter this kingdom unless you're first born again. Some of you here this morning need that. And that's what he's offering you, the opportunity to have a new life, a new beginning, a fresh start, being born again. And the way that you do that is as simple as ABC. A, you admit. Admit what? That you're a sinner. That there's sin in your life that separated you from a holy God. B, you believe. Believe what? That God sent Jesus to die on the cross for even your worst moment. For all of your sins. The ones you deem insignificant and the ones that you deem too big for God to forgive. He died for them all so that he can wash them away and wash you clean. See, you confess. Confess what? That he is now Lord of your life. That he is now the one who calls the shots. That you bend your knee and you follow him. I don't understand it, but I'll follow you. If this is what you want, I'll follow you. So with no one looking around on the count of three, I'd like to ask you to respond to that call. And I want you to respond by simply lifting up your hand and acknowledging that that's me. Pastor, I want to make that decision today to be born again and to follow Jesus. And then all of us are going to pray this prayer out loud together. But I want to know who I'm praying with. So if that's you, if you say, Pastor, I'm, I want to be born again today. On a count of three, I want you to lift up your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, lift it up. Praise God. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand up there. I see your hand. Praise God. Thank you. 
Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Praise God. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. If you didn't raise your hand that time, but you know that you should have, and you know that you want to, but you were just afraid, come, follow me. I'm going to give you another opportunity. That's you. If you lifted it up once, you don't have to lift it up again. One, two, three, lift it up. You say, Pastor, that's me. Yeah. Anyone else? Thank you. I see your hand back there, sir. Church, let's pray this prayer out loud together and let's mean it from our heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe on the cross. You died for my sin, for my guilt, and for my shame. I believe you faced hell so I would not have to go. And you rose again from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. I turn away from my sin. I repent of my sin. And I choose to follow you. And from this moment on, God, you're my Father. Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate.